Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free. We give them away. Those other radio talk shows want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free. Freetalklive.com. All right, uh, to start things out here, we're going straight to the phone calls, and Brian is on the line in Colorado on the amplifier line. Hello, Brian. You're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, gents and lady. Good evening, hey. sir. What's on your mind? Is it Friday? Uh, it's no, not. But uh, Julia is sitting in on Thursday this week. Okay, good. Hey, um, I wanted to talk a little bit, uh, bring up that topic that uh, oh, you've discussed uh, here and there. Uh, and it's one of the things that's really hanging me up about a free market, totally free market, uh, government-less economy, and that is uh, intellectual property. Mm. So here it's we go. It's one of the now, things I, that hangs saying, me up too. I, I'm not saying that uh, uh, Ian's, you know, a, a market view of this can't work. I, I, I but I, I just can't see it yet. And I know the market does magical things, but uh, let, let me work this through with you. Okay, sure. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a writer, and I, I derive some of my income from royalties on books that I've written. Uh, now, these books don't just, you know, come spewing out of my fingers. I mean, I have to invest. They're technical books. I have to, you know, telephone calls. I sometimes have to fly around the world to talk to people about, uh, you know, some material case studies for the books. Uh, so, so I've got some money invested in it. Now, sometimes I can, I can talk a publisher into giving me an advance on royalties, uh, you know, some cash to help me uh, to, get, to get started. So now we've both got some, you know, hard money uh, in this intellectual property. So then I write the book. Uh, uh, editors take care of it. Everything it gets published, printed, and out in the in the marketplace. Now that's an investment that we have, and we expect to get some kind of a return on it. Okay. The return we get is when people pay, say, fifty bucks for this book. Right. But now what happens if somebody buys the book for 50 bucks or steals the book from somebody who's bought it for 50 bucks, uh, goes to a photocopier machine and makes, you know, a thousand copies that he's going to sell for five bucks? Uh, who's going to pay 50 when they can, when they can pay five? I mean, I've just had my intellectual property stolen from me. And how do I, how do I, uh, uh, you know, get, get that money back? Well, it's an, it's an excellent how, how, question. How are reparations done in this case? I don't know. What do you think, Brian? I, I, I don't know. I mean, right now, that's why it hangs the up. Hand of the government that protects that protects me, but but in a free market economy, I don't see how we can do that. Right. I mean, you, you can say that whenever somebody buys a book, there is a contract with uh, you know between me and them that, that they will not copy it. I mean, I can put whatever I want in the contract, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you give me your fifty bucks, I give you the book, and we sign this deal. But you know, uh, so that guy is not breaking it. If somebody steals it from him, I don't have a, a contract with that person over there. Sure. Yep. Totally understand how you uh, where you're coming from on that. Um, in regards to the question, I would say that in the in the instance of someone taking your book and then reselling it uh, for a profit, presumably, uh, then it should be pretty simple to you know track down who that particular individual is. Is they're out there actively selling your book as though it's theirs? You know, in that particular case, you'd have uh, a very clear definition of who you're dealing with, and hopefully at least. And then you could take that person to arbitration, and hopefully their reputation rating would be shot. But what it would happen? Uh, what would happen if somebody took your book and then scanned it in, turned it into a PDF file, and then anonymously posted it online and didn't charge uh, for it? And then, I mean, it's a technical manual. Doubtless, this this is doubtful that it's going to happen. But let's presume it was more popular than a technical manual, just uh, you know, a, a Stephen King novel or fictional story of some sort. 
And, you know, then what happened? Uh, what happens if millions of people around the world start passing it around as they were doing with this HD DVD encryption code on dig.com uh, the other day? Then what do you do? And then you're completely screwed. Then there's nothing. I mean, that's something that could happen today, right now, and uh, there's nothing that can be done about it. Well, you know, if nobody's um, pushing it uh, from a financial point, they don't, they don't have any uh, – they haven't stolen it, and they're not pushing it uh, – uh, you know, expecting to make money off of it, mm-hmm. and it just sits online. There are billions of pages online, and the likelihood of somebody stumbling across your book isn't necessarily high, but maybe they will. And um, people don't like to read online. I personally do not. I'd rather have a book in my hands than uh, read something online. But I may very well, if I, you know, uh, somebody who does isn't a principal on it, may very well decide, huh. I could get this book for five bucks, and I'd like to have that. And if you're living in a stateless world um, that uh, you have espoused in the past, then what law is there to prevent me from uh, selling this book that I have found that I think is, well, oh, I could make some money off this. I'll just print, print some up and sell it myself. Well, as I pointed out, there's no law. It would just simply be that um, you would have an actionable um, arbitration How would I situation. know? I mean, wh- why am I actionable? Uh, well, you're selling someone else's book as though it's yours, and that's fraud. But, um, you know, there's going to be in my – I assume I'm going to have to sign this uh, contract with someone uh, – company, the insurance company that's going to protect me, and that's how I'm going to get my, um, you know, reputation rating that you've talked about uh, damaged. Is How long is this contract going to be? I don't know. Like – why, I mean, why are you asking me all these details? How am I supposed to know? That? I don't know. I mean, it's just that's how long's things... your how long's your home insurance contract today? Um, it's probably eight pages or okay. so. I don't know, man. You know, if if uh, if the marketplace is demanding short, understandable contracts, presumably that's what people will get. So, Brian, any other thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, it, if if somebody were to take the book and you know print it out and a million million people saw it. At some level, that would be good for me. I mean, my, my first book, I, I didn't really make any, any money on the royalties, but it sold enough that people in the industry knew about me and they hired me because of the book. I mean, so I, I want more and more and more people to read it for free because, you know, I'm not making any money off it anyway. But when, when it becomes a full-time job, you know, uh, uh, Stephen King couldn't, uh, you know, buy all of his uh, cars. if, if uh, uh, He wouldn't write anymore if he knew that all it would take was somebody to take the one copy of one of his books and sell it everywhere you know some anonymous chinese uh, you know profiteer or somebody who doesn't care about a reputation rating well you know right now uh it's a reality that things are sold for fractions of their american cost in china by pirates so i mean that's something that's yeah, going nothing on we now we could do about that now with all of our laws anyway you know? right so that's so, so, that's a reality I, it, 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 and it's just something. I, I, I agree that the market will do a better job of it than the government will. I just can't see that right now. I can't see how that works. That's okay. I, and I totally understand. And, Brian, thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. You don't have to see how it worked to, uh, to understand the principle behind it, and that is that a monopolistic gang uh, known as the government is just not appropriate to have around. And that, you know what, I mean, the fact is, people understand, I think inherently, that if someone doesn't buy a copy of said product from the original producer, if enough people don't buy those copies to continue uh, giving that producer a livelihood of some sort, then yeah, that producer's going to throw up his hands and say, I've had it with all this piracy, I'm going to go flip some burgers, or, you know, do something completely different. And I think most people are, are aware of that, and that they'll purchase the uh, the products from the appropriate sources as is necessary to continue per, uh, perpetuating them on into the future. 
Well, um, we both know, you and I, that there are, uh, uh, I don't know, groups out there on the Internet that, uh, you know, share different programs online. Mm-hmm. Um, you sure can, they You are. can get programs and never have paid for them, and then the uh, original producer doesn't get the money. And I don't know why it is that, uh, you know, some people decide to pay for it and some people don't, but uh, it, it's, it just goes to show that some people will not. So what? Okay. They're out there right now, doing it right now. What are you going to do about it? Throw them all in a jail cell? You're going to slap them all with multi-thousand dollar fines? I mean, they're right there. You know what? These these people that you're talking about also, not only do they share programs, but they share movies and they share television shows right. and music. And uh, the fact is, I download Penn & Teller's BS from these people every single week. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. I download Penn & Teller's BS, a copyrighted show from the Showtime Network, onto my computer via torrent file every single week. You know what I could do? I could take all those shows that I download, which, by the way, I delete them every week, too. But I I could archive all those shows to a DVD and burn off that DVD for archival purposes and put it in you know a folder somewhere. But what I do is, considering I like the show... Mm-hmm. And I want to support the show because I want them to make more of the show. I go and purchase the DVD set whenever it comes out. I'm first in line for that uh, DVD set. I'm a pre-orderer of Penn & Teller's DVDs. Now, am I breaking the law? Maybe. Yeah, I guess you are. Should they sue me? I sure as hell hope they don't. Because then I'm going to be pissed. And you can damn well bet I won't buy another uh, Showtime DVD set ever again. Your thoughts at 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free, including archives and entire year's worth of the show right there. On the front page, for your downloading convenience, you just go and get them. They're free. FreeTalkLive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. It's June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty, as well as hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot Come, let's go to the phones and talk to George in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, George. What's on your mind? Yeah, I, was, um, I went to a gun show, and I was looking at um, price, looking to get my own AK-47. I remember if I didn't buy it yet because um, I wanted to ask you how much you pay for yours. Uh, 425 Damn, I should have got that thing. It was 345 the one I was looking at. Mine has a few modifications to it, so it's not like a stock AK. Uh, but yeah, you probably should have picked that did up. You, did you get to shoot it yet? No, I haven't yet. Still waiting. Oh, whatever happened to that um, protest that um, Julia was supposed to go to uh, with the college where she was going to wear that thing? Oh, I don't know. That was just an idea. I don't think anyone's actually followed through with it yet. The, yeah, we were talking about maybe having Julia strap the AK to her back and go to a protest outside of Keene State College. Volunteer hey, to get me why, arrested. <laughs> well, while you're at it, you know, ha- have her wear all the, li- the latest Free Talk Live gear, you know, like latest Free Talk Live shirt and stuff yeah. like that, and with the AK, and then have her, you know, get a picture of that and put it up on the shrine as an updated pic. That's a good idea. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a great idea, in fact. I mean, turn it into a total photo op. 
Hell yeah. I mean, she's right there. She could be the free talk riot model. Yep. She could, but I don't know if she's she's quite ready for something like that. George, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's She's pretty enough to be the free talk live model. Oh, you're gonna make her blush. Let's you are go making me blush. And talk to Matt in Illinois on the amplifier line. Hello, Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, gentle lady. How are you guys? Good. Great. What's up? Good. I wanted to address uh, Brian's concerns uh with his book. Uh and uh, I'm I'm also an author. I just signed a contract for what's going to be my second book put out on the market. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about people photocopying a book. Um, a buddy and I were just having a conversation about this today. Not too many people like to sit there with an unbound, photocopied eight by twelve sheets of paper, flipping through it and reading it. And it's, not too it's many certainly people not like a to pretty product. Computer. Yeah. No. People and, do uh, like they do like having that uh, finished product in their hands. There's just something more, I don't know, tangible about having the actual product with the packaging and the and the inserts and you know wh- whether it be a, a book or or a CD or DVD or something like that. I actually had uh, one time I had to do a school report and I had I was reading I had to read some sort of a book and I picked Dr. Mary Ruart's Healing Our World and she offers the book for free on her website it's an older edition and I was on some sort of a time limit so I actually printed the book out and read it in that form and as I was doing that I ordered the real copy because it drove me so crazy to read the book like that. Mm. So you're right. Yes and and uh I think that it's it's that way with with the movies and the CDs too. Like you said, if you look at uh, the box office for movies last week, I don't think the movie industry is hurting. I think a lot of these movies are making a lot of money at the theater, and when they come out on DVD, if it's a good product, people are going to buy it. And the same with CDs. If you got a if you got a good music CD, people are going to go out and buy it, and they're going to support the people that are worth it. So if Brian's book is worth it to the people who who buy it and need it, they'll buy it. And sure, there's going to be some that are going to be pirated, and he's going to you know lose some money that way, but did he ever really lose the money? Because I think people that get it like that wouldn't have been interested in getting the book in the first place. Probably the case. Absolutely. It's, it's a new world, you know? It's the, the digital world, and it's inevitable that some, some things are going to slip through the cracks. Cost of doing business. Right, and they said the same thing way back when, when uh, cassette tapes came out. Oh, nobody's going to buy albums anymore. People mm. still bought albums. <laughs> the, the, the music industry didn't go under. Yep. It's still there, and it's thriving. You're right about that. Thriving, thriving even more now with the downloads. So well I, said, I think that's that's a silly thing to worry about. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. Mark, you look perturbed. Well, I'm not perturbed. I was just, uh, I, I'm thinking that's a great argument for not going after people for um, downloading music or, you know, whatever, taking uh, copyrighted material and not paying for it. Um, but it doesn't really address the uh, taking copyrighted material and not paying for it and then trying to sell it. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's a whole different Ball of wax. Well, there's only certain places you could sell that material, right? I mean, you you could have your own little storefront, I guess. Ripoffs USA, <laughs> and uh, you could just sell a bunch of ripped off products. I don't know what you know. I don't know what that would do for your reputation as far as being an honest person. 
But as far as the legitimate channels for selling products are concerned, I mean, if you're just a guy who's making Xerox copies of a book, stapling them together, and then selling them on the street... Uh, you're not going to do very well. You, yeah, you're, you're not going to be able to make a living like that. Even in a place like New York City, you're just not going to be able to do very well. And as far as getting it, getting your pirated copy into a legitimate storefront? I mean, you think Borders Books is going to do a deal with you? Because you walk in there with uh, your little homemade... Let's just say you've got a nice professional book-binding setup at home where you can actually crank out books that don't look like total crap. And, you know, you walk in and say, hey, you got the latest Stephen King novel here. I'll sell it to you for 50% of what, you know, Random House is selling it for. And Borders is going to laugh you right out of their store. Their buyers are going to say, are you kidding? You you think that we're going to put our relationship with Random House in jeopardy because uh, we want to, you know, make an extra $2 on every book sale? That's not going to happen. Well, um, So where are the distribution points for this theoretical pirate? Look, I don't know. In Hong Kong, um, they seem to do very well selling uh, pirated uh, DVDs, and they have nice cases for them, and, and they manage to, to pull it off just fine. And uh, Howard... CD sales in Hong Kong, well, they're not great. Mm-hmm. CD company, uh, D, uh, music companies would go to um, would would go out of business if it was uh, if they were just relying on. Let it happen. Yeah. If that's what the, if that's what the market's saying is that your music isn't worth paying for, then why should someone pay for it? You know, if people just want to want to keep downloading music for or people want to just keep getting music for free and not paying for it, eventually the artists are going to say, "Well, I've had about enough of this," and they're just going to go find something else to do. Of course, most musicians I know would never do something like that. Most musicians that I've met want to do whatever it takes to get their their songs into the hands of listeners, uh, regardless of whether or not they're actually paying for them. Uh, They want to get their songs out there. They want people to be able to hear them so that eventually when they come around on tour, they can go and and pay money to see them in, in person. And so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Yeah, maybe CD sales are going to drop off. Okay. Things change. Well, I can tell you it's hard enough to make a living, um, you know, being an author as it is. And um, then if, if you if you add this extra problem to it, it could be just that it keeps some, you know, some some tier of authors out of the business. Hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles, my friend. Yeah, I, I see that's you how you also have to re- You also have to remember that with the uh, barriers to entry falling, new people can also get in that may not have been able to get in before. People can now self-publish easier nowadays than they ever could in the past. So that's another factor. Maybe more people will get in. Or it's Free Talk Live coming up. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, including the wiki. There are over 1,300 pages just waiting for you. All kinds of different uh, interesting things to look at on the wiki, and it was all created by the listeners. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. Wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach on how to keep getting busted with marijuana? Go to nevergetbusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that has gained world attention, nevergetbusted.com. 
800-259-9231. All right, continuing with the phone calls, let's go to Mike in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Julia and Mark. Hey, everybody. Hello, Mike. What's on your mind? Uh, more on the intellectual property. I oh, wanted of to, uh, of course, I do agree with Ian mainly that, um, well, actually, I, maybe I'm more so than Ian, but I, I don't think any knowledge, any information can be copyrighted. I, I think only tangible things can be copyrighted or protected for that matter. You can't take knowledge and make someone not have it anymore, whether they get it via a contract or by accident or by theft. You just well, can't take it back. You, people you want even... that, though. Um, the, the market demands it to some level. But it's impos- It's physically impossible. You mm-hmm. cannot. I mean, I, no, it's not. You could kill someone, and then they don't have knowledge anymore. But you can't otherwise. But my but my point in calling was uh, a couple of things that were said. Like Mark said that uh, being an author is hard, and adding, I think he said, an extra hassle isn't going to help or an extra something. But the extra isn't really extra like mark like ian said it's already happening now i mean you guys have talked about free cycle and you've been to garage sales there's used bookstores everywhere mm-hmm. uh, i went to a, like a multi-family garage sale the other day i bought 10 books by an author i like for a for a dime each for a buck um that's none of the first of all that's very little money compared to the original sales price second of all none of it went to the author and that's socially acceptable Interesting so point. Well, that's because it was bought already. I mean, they they were already paid for that book. They didn't, um, you know, they they paid for the printing and and then they were, you know, compensated by selling it. R- right, but but if uh, if I bought a book and let's say I didn't like it, uh, I could then sell it at a garage sale. So that book has been paid for, and then someone at the garage sale got it for a dime. Then they could sell it for a dime, and they could sell it for a dime, and it, there's no end to it. And that's the same, you know, end result as. Me taking a book and retyping it, or making it a PDF, and then giving it to ten people. Or Pretty much, people. yeah. And, but and it, the, but in the fact, problem those with people, it is, those people would have would have been in the event that the you, that you could only buy a book and read it once, and then it disappears. And they have some sort of cons- they have some consumable media out that out there like that. They just don't do it for books. But those ten people well, well, theoretically they, would have paid full price for that book, and so the out the authors missing out on the nine of the ten of those sales. But most of the um, the when a book makes an appearance, it's the, the you know the the big splash. That's when they get a lot of sales. That's when it really matters. And uh, you know if if somebody's able to co-op that big splash, that's going to really uh, you know throw things off in the industry. Well, I still think that that's the nature of uh, the free market. If someone wants to steal their thunder, and that's really all they're stealing, an idea, because they're investing their own money in the paper or the bandwidth or the, re- uh, the distribution or whatever it is that they're doing. The tangible items is the only thing that they're actually you know, set reselling or selling actually in the first place. Right. The idea uh, is it's just... It's just knowledge. It's just floating out there. Right. And you know what? I'm sorry. I, and as I pointed out in the last segment, there's just not any real good distribution points out there for the pirate author. Uh, there's just not much. He can maybe sell to a couple guys at a garage sale, sell a couple books on the side of the street. But he's not going to make his living off of it. But so how really do you know there's no rip- money in it. How do you know that um, you know, ripoffs isn't going to manage to make it in every single, um, you know, turn into the next rip-offs Borders? Rip-offs the, the store? Yeah. Why isn't ripoffs going to be the next Borders? Well, because hopefully because people care about that sort of thing. Exactly. If it does make it, then obviously the consumers are more important than the producers, and that will just stifle itself. It yeah. will. So it all if depends it does, on what the market becomes, wants. 
Right, exactly. And I have one more comment to make about technology in this issue. Mm-hmm. And, and you've said, and I agree, that technology so far doesn't really work for written works. No one really likes to read digitally as much as and in a book. It's just not as convenient, at least for most people. Right. Uh, but they already have um, literal digital paper, which is paper. It's basically an LCD screen, but it looks like print on paper, and mm-hmm. it is digital. It can be reprinted. And so it's not going to be that it's a, it's almost a moot issue. It's not going to be too long before the digital distribution will be practical and usable and preferable. It'll be it'll be a book. slow transition, but I think you're right. I Definitely. think that, I think that right now everybody sort of has this, ooh, it's in my hands, it's paper, I can turn the pages. There's still that old, you know, good feeling that you get when you've got a book in your hands, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon, but it will slowly be supplanted by technology and how cool technology will become sure. uh, inevitably. I Thank you for the that. call, Mike. We appreciate it. At 800-259-92 31. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's continue with the calls. Go to Rob in Georgia on the amplifier line. Hey, Rob. Hey, just want to talk about this intellectual property. Yes, sir. Um, well, I do think that intellectual property will change in a free market. I don't think there's any questioning that. Anyone who has any sort of a, I would say, a government-granted monopoly of any sort, including patents, their business model will necessarily change in the absence of that. That's that's not necessarily saying a bad thing. It's simply the way that it is. Right. Um, you know, there are a couple of ideas. I think the underlying idea always is in the absence of government, we don't really know what the market's going to do, but I'd like to throw out a couple of ideas. Great. Um, one thing is is the premium market. Depending on the sort of thing that you are creating, certain people will pay more for a genuine Robert Wicks collection than they would for... You know, Joe Schmo. Well, right. I, I think that that's best defended in the uh, area of um, fashion. You cannot copyright or patent um, fashion. Um, you know, if is all you have to do is be some great fashion designer. As soon as I see that stuff out on the shelf, um, I can take it back. Uh, you know, reverse engineer it, create ex- the, an exact duplicate, put my name on it, not yours. Right. It's the label that sells clothes, not necessarily. And the, the label is the only thing that's copyrighted. Right. Yes, and, and and in fact, even if you were to attempt to duplicate the label, people would still sniff out the genuine article. I mean, I can duplicate oh, yeah. a pair of $3,000 jeans if I want to, but people will still buy and still do buy $3,000 jeans, as amazing as that sounds. Absolutely, and you know the girls with their with their uh, purses and the you know what what are they the shoes? Um, yeah, actually, I was just thinking wallets. of shoes. Like if you walk into Payless shoe stores, for example, you will see every trendy shoe. And they look almost exactly the same without the logo, and people do go and buy those shoes, but obviously people are still buying the real shoes. Well, they're, they're about a year behind on the uh, trendy shoes. Not, not really. Well, well, the, the, pers- <laughs> the purse You're about a year behind on trendy shoes. And Me? shoes, yes, oh, shoes sell about, for about a grand a piece um, at the top end, and that's those are the ones I'm talking about. It, it takes. I remember seeing these bowling shoes that are all over five years ago selling for $3,000 on St. Armand Circle. And I'm like... I like those, but I'm not paying that for it. Now, I've got two pair. Well, now, I wanted to, to back Rob up on this and talk about the, you know, the, the girls that are sort of 
purse snobs, if you will. Like, you're absolutely right, Rob. These girls can spot a fake from half a mile away. I mean, they know what the, they know what to look for. They know what the stitching patterns are like. They know what, you know, all the little subtleties that define the, the, the real genuine article uh, of the $3,000 purse from the $30 purse. And they are very, very hawk-eyed about those sorts of things. And if they determine that you are a female that has purchased a rip-off purse, uh, their opinion of you drops. I think those people are kind of uh, scummy, but, you know, that's they're very good at doing that. So, yes, they absolutely I mean, can identify it. This is absolutely the case that there are indeed uh, people who are, who are purse snobs. Now, um, I wouldn't say my wife's a purse snob in the sense that she doesn't denigrate people who don't have yeah. something which she considers real, but I can guarantee you that she would absolutely find it unacceptable for me to buy something that she regards as fake. And, I, and one night I was actually talking to her, and I was asking her some very detailed questions about how she feels about like about this. I said, if I could give you an exact duplicate down to the last detail, identical materials, and it, it, was, and it was a fake, would you, would you want it? She said no, because mentally it would disturb her. Interesting. I don't know if you had another point. If you do, hang on. 800-259-9231. Whether it's intellectual property or whatever you want to talk about, you can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, toll free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. Uh, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff over at amazon.freetalklive.com. 40 categories of products for you to shop in. Free super saver shipping on a whole bunch of items and just it's just a great shopping experience. You don't have to leave your house. You don't have to fight traffic. You don't have to deal with crazy people in parking lots. I mean, it's They've got great. all kinds of good stuff for Mother's Day. You know, do they really? I would imagine so. They were advertising it on the radio. I just Like assume. what kind of Mother's Day stuff? Look, you're catching me flat. Well, here. you have got to be ready for this. They anyway, said they on the radio they had Is there specific some... Mother's Day stuff or is it just you whatever know, your mother likes? I know what mom would like. Gourmet foods. Moms love that stuff, right? Like, you know, hoity-toity, gourmet food, you know, it's scent and it's pretty and it's expensive. Hey, they got that at Amazon, too. They've got, not only do they have their grocery section where you can get big sort of bulk buy products, but you can also get the, uh, you know, hoity-toity gourmet stuff, too. Uh, And, of course, their huge selection of books and all that. Amazon.freetalklive.com, a percentage of the sale goes to Free Talk Live. And good luck getting Amazon to, to, uh, you know, sell your pirated copy of your uh, your books. I just don't think that, you know, legitimate established businesses are just not going to do business with pirates in the the marketplace. And let's go back to Rob in Georgia to continue. I think he's got a few more thoughts for us. Rob, you're back on Free Talk Live on the Amplifier line. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, the, another thing that can always happen is that performances always have generated money. Now, in the case of musicians, that can be a concert, obviously. In the case of artists, it could be display in a gallery. And in the case of, uh, say, say you're a novelist. Let's say you're Stephen King. You could always take your next novel, split it up into however many pieces you wish, and say, once I have enough donations via my webpage, I'll release the next part. Yeah. And I can't believe that his fans wouldn't just flock to that sort of a model. I believe uh, Stephen that, King has already done something similar to that. I don't know if it was a, I'm waiting till I get X amount of dollars, but I, I, I believe he was publishing one of his books in a series format like that, and it was overwhelming. I think it worked out for him. I'm not sure about that, though. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the way Dickens wrote most of his stuff. So, I mean, I think that that clearly can work. And then in the last case, when you have a work which for which none of those other models will work, you do always have the area of patronage. Let's say, I mean, a, either a rich person or a person can do a, a, a variation of the same sort of thing with uh, requests from the community, saying that, you know, I'm looking uh, for requests, I'm, I'm looking to raise funds so that I can afford to write this particular work. And then once you have those that amount of money raised, then you release that particular work. And once you have a track record, then you will, then you'll be able to generate even more revenue. I think that it will mean that you won't be able to just write that one great novel and then relax for the rest of your life. That's true. Right. They'll, work, they'll have to work a little bit harder, crank out a little bit more material, but you're saying they could actually theoretically get paid in advance to do the work, then just release oh, the absolutely. novel for free to the world? Oh, absolutely. No question about that. It's interesting ideas. You know, that, Rob, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. It's amazing that even though intellectual property has come up on this show time and time again, there's always some new cool idea that one of our listeners has that I've never thought of. And uh, I just think it's neat, sort of this neat little thought uh, experiment that happens here on Free Talk Live. And you just take this for, just look at uh, what we've had as far as phone calls over just the past hour, just about this one issue and all of the ideas about, you know, what people want in the marketplace, what the distribution channels could be like, um, some really uh, cool concepts like Rob just had about alternative ways to uh, to sell books in series format, sell it up front before you release it, different sorts of distribution concepts and models that aren't necessarily utilized as much today as they might could be in the future. And I just think that's pretty exciting because what you have to remember is when the marketplace is free again in this theoretical future, when the marketplace is free, it won't just be the five callers from Free Talk Live sitting around trying to figure out... Uh, how the distribution channels work. It'll be people in search of a profit. The people who are out there in the book publishing industry, in the music industry, in the television production industry, these are going to be the people that are going to be putting their minds to the ideas of how can we keep getting content into the hands of consumers and profit from it at the same time. And, you know, leaving it to the marketplace is something that I think will will produce some very interesting and diverse results. Well, I must say that it's it's one of the things that uh, you know scares me the most about just doing away with this whole government thing is intellectual property. I know Gene, the Christian anarchist, isn't scared. Let's go to the phones and talk to Gene in Tennessee. Hello, sir. Well, hi. What's on your Give mind me a tonight? Sec here, I got. Excuse me. Got to turn that thing down. There we go. Very good, sir. Um, talking about intellectual property rights. Yes. Well, I've been I've been to I guess what would be considered the uh, world's capital of bootlegging. And that would be mainland China. Right. And guess what? what? If you walk into the big stores over there, the big malls. Yes, I'm dying to hear this. Stuff, I really don't know what it's like over there. Go ahead. The, the brand name stuff is all there on the first floor. The, the malls in China are multiple levers, levels. They're typically 9 to 12 stories tall. And on the main floor is where you find all the big brand names, all of the... Uh, all of the really expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you come into the mall, you have to go through that area. So the same People mall will buying... sell. So the same mall sells um, the original items on the the ground floor, and then a couple of floors up, they sell the bootleg stuff. That's right. Oh my yeah, God. The, the higher the higher up you go, the cheaper the merchandise. Wow. And Incredible. So you have in the same store, you'll have your Gucci bags on the on floor one, and there'll be. I don't know what a Gucci bag costs because I never buy one. Way but too they much. Must be like a, 
couple hundred dollars or something like that. I, I think that that and might be a cheap one. And then if you go up far enough, yeah, and then if you go up far enough, you'll find the Gucci knockoffs up there, you know, for $5, $10. So it all sells side by side. Now, China is trying to do what we're doing now, and they're starting to crack down on bootlegs, especially the uh, the uh, DVDs and the music and stuff. But even with the DVDs and music, you can buy the bootleg DVDs for about a dollar each. Now, Gene, and, uh, how do they stay? How do the stores on the first level stay in business with the pirates so close, uh, uh, just upstairs? I mean, how do they stay in business? They stay in business because people want to buy the real stuff. And it's kind of funny because when I first went to China, which was 12 years ago, maybe, uh, yeah, about 12 years ago, my wife's parents wanted a VCR. They'd never had one prior to that time. Mm -hmm. And they insisted that we get them a Sony VCR. Now, I had to pay $400 for that stinking VCR in China. Wow. When I could have bought a Chinese knockoff for 100 bucks. Or you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't say Sony on it, of course. You know, it'd be a right. Chinese brand name. I could have got a Chinese one for a hundred dollars. You know, this was over ten years ago, so they were fair, still fairly expensive back sure. then. But they wanted the Sony from Japan, imported, and it cost four hundred dollars. So we got them their Sony VCR, which I think they probably used ten times since we bought it. Hmm. They, they still have it. So even but they wanted that Sony. So even over in China, and this is a great rebuttal to you, Mark, I mean, even over in China where piracy is widespread, virtually unchecked, the people still have an appreciation for the original item, and that's what people want. Well, I knew that they'd have people an appreciation. It. It's just a matter of will they uh, will that appreciation be enough to keep them in business, I guess, is what my question Apparently is. Apparently it is. Well, well maybe. Only the, the people that appreciate that will buy the real products over there are the ones that have the money to buy the real products. Now, quite frankly, the other people that are buying the bootlegs that don't have the money to buy the real products are not lost customers because they're not going to buy the real products anyway. You know, it's not like they can afford a Gucci handbag, so they go out and they buy the knockoff. Right, it's out of their range. And, right, and I, I can kind of see that. Knows I mean, it's a knockoff. It's it's not like the poor people are out there um, here in America buying the uh, really expensive purses because they just can't afford them. It's the people that can afford them that really want them. You know. Gene, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You know, it's it's 20 years later, but I've got a, a personal example of how the Chinese rip-off market has, uh, can benefit me as someone, who, as someone who appreciates an original item. Transformers, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently discovered that there is someone on eBay selling rip-off Transformers. Rip-off Generation 1 Transformers straight out of Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they're they're a little bit pricey. I mean, the, the shipping's crazy, but nonetheless, I just bought recently the official Hasbro reissue of Soundwave, which is one of the original Generation One, one of the very first Transformers to ever be released. And it's a, a reissue. It comes in a very nice box, and it's something where you know you're a toy collector. You know that. You don't want to open this box and open this thing up because it's going to reduce its value. Right. Once that's uh, that little piece of tape that goes around it or whatever. Is... I did that as a kid, and sure. so my Transformers aren't as valuable today. I as don't have kid, the boxes. You, you I want don't to play have, with them. I don't have the stuff. But I bought a Soundwave from uh, the Chinese dealer, and it hasn't. It's yet to come. But it's it's a little. It's got a bit of different coloring, that sort of thing. But my point is, I can actually. 
take that sound wave out of the box and pose it and do Play things with w- and do things with it, and the other one can sit on a shelf somewhere. Thank goodness for Chinese ripoffs. Hour number two is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves toll free at 800 259 That is the package. Mm-hmm. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Worst talk show host ever. Oh, please. Everybody's going to miss that kind of thing. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, and all the features on the site are completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. I believe Robert in Arizona has been waiting patiently. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, good afternoon. Hi there. Julia and gents. What's um, on your mind, sir? I wanted to say- Segue back to the last hour briefly. Um, I'm confused as to why so many people seem to want to break into an intellectual property. Um, it seems to me that stealing is stealing. Um, it seems that we should be trying to work ways to prevent that. Um, one of the ways that, that was an early way of uh, patenting, say, uh, prior to the patent office was that you could write out, say, your, manus- your manuscript or your um, scientific formulae or a book and basically mail it to yourself. Um, or, and, and back in the early days, we had provisional stamps. Uh, mm-hmm. But you basically mail it to yourself and have the stamp put on the seal of the, of the envelope. And you never open that until such time as it needs to be open in a court of arbitration. And that, by the date affixed, proves that you came up with the idea first. Sure. Um, That might be something that may be very valuable in the future. It's sort of of an older method, and I, I would think that the marketplace would probably come up with more... I, I don't know, 21st century means of uh, protecting ideas, but I don't think that I don't think that per- the protection of ideas is something that is unwanted by the marketplace. Certainly, people want that, and I think that you'll you'll see the marketplace coming up with, in the absence of government, uh, in the absence of co- so-called copyright and, and patents and monopoly protection, as I like to call it, uh, or monopoly uh, privilege. You will see the marketplace coming up with ideas. I mean, our callers have already come up with several very good ideas as to how the market could protect these. Uh, these concepts um, without using the force of the of uh, the government. Yeah, I, I think we need to eliminate the government, but um, I do think that we need to protect intellectual and scientific property. Very good, Robert. Possible. Did you have any other thoughts? Um, yes, I did. I had two that I called about. One concerns me. You had a call uh, the other night from someone up in Iowa, I believe it was, that was very concerned about the open borders and was referring to the Pueblo Indians of Arizona. And actually, we have two Indian tribes that are just um, to the south and west of Tucson that are being divided in half by this proposed wall. Um, we're having, you know, mothers and sons, uncles from families, uh, community centers 
divided Are these the charge? Quick, a quick question on these guys. Because we read a story, and I don't remember if it was in Arizona. I think it was sort of a tribe of Indians that's throughout the south, uh, throughout the south. And basically, they some of them live on one side of the border, some of them live on the other, and they just make a habit of just daily uh, or whenever they feel like it, just crossing the border to go and visit their their family members and their friends. And is that who you're referring exactly. to? Exactly. It's the um, Toora Orams and the Pasquayakis. And primarily the Toota Odoms, they're the largest of the two tribes, and they simply just walk across because for them it's an arbitrary line. And they've Absolutely. been there far longer than us, and now we, we're talking about putting up this wall, which will divide families in half. Well, I mean, as I understand it, I haven't ridiculous. seen... I haven't seen... I agree with you, uh, but I haven't seen any stories, and I presume maybe you have, but I haven't seen stories that uh, that are threatening their areas of the border. From what I understand, the wall that is at least being proposed at this point isn't even a complete wall, and it'll only be 700 miles, so it won't even be the entire, uh, the entire southern border. So I don't know if that will affect them yet. I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's been proposed. I'm sure someone has thrown it out there, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen. The um, Minutemen in this area are now putting it up. Since the United oh, States geez. has not done it, the Minutemen have taken it upon themselves. How can they do that? I mean, is it their property? Can they construct a, a fence off their property? I don't understand. Wasn't that no? The, it's not their property. Wasn't that the group of young men and women that were? It was on Penn and Teller's BS the other night, the episode on immigration. Yeah, they have the Minutemen on that show. Yeah, and they actually had run out of funding, so they can't really finish the fence right now. <laughs> so it was just a bunch of poles with American flags on it. Yeah, I don't know how fast they're going to be yeah, able to get that, that done. Part of it has got American flags, but a large part of it has got fence on it right now also. Well, you know what? I think like what you what you should do is uh, go and watch the episode of Penn and Teller's BS from last week. It was the immigration episode. It was so good. Uh, they they showed the immigrants. Uh, they had some some real immigrants build a real two scale model of the wall that's being proposed, and then they uh, they challenged them to get through the wall. And they managed to cut through the wall in under three minutes flat. The guys digging underneath it managed to dig underneath it in five minutes flat. And the guys going over top of it, actually the ones that took the longest. So, you know, it's not going to do anything. It's just these guys laugh at this sort of thing. It's amazing. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. It really was an amusing, fun segment. And uh, I recommend that everyone watch it. Because basically their point was, and it was a great point, is that the, the U.S. government wants to spend, I think it was $60 billion taxpayer dollars on this 700 miles of fencing, which right. again won't be contiguous. It will be just you know 100 miles here, 100 miles there, <laughs> that sort of thing. And As though that's going to keep anybody in. Right, it's not going to do out. anything. Uh, it's not going to do anything to keep anybody out. Even if it was an entire border fence, it wouldn't do it because these guys can just, you know, snip right through it. What do you have? A pair of tin snips tin or snips something? Tin snips is what they said that they they, they have. <laughs> tin snips or a shovel? Yeah, and uh, and they just went right through it. So sixty billion dollars is essentially just throwing money down a rat hole. No, of course it's your money. It's not their money. So what do they care, right? Oh, they're making jobs. Well. Certainly, some fence-building companies will, uh, whoever are politically connected, are definitely going to benefit from this. And they also pointed out that in many cases, the fence-building companies are actually hiring the very illegal immigrants to build the fences. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, just another government boondoggle. 800-259-9231. That's the toll-free number. Quick update. Uh, looks like at this point, Ron Paul is it. 
as far as the presidential race is concerned, at least at this at this point in the game, as far as someone who, as if you're a liberty loving individual, that's pretty much your only option at this point. Because Doug Stanhope has thrown in the towel. He was sort of somebody that I was keeping my eyes on, and I know a number of other people were as well. Doug Stanhope, uh, known as uh, what a, a nationally known comedian, he was the host of the the Man Show for a while. And he's now thrown in the towel. Stanhope in 08 has quit in 07. This is a message from Doug. He says, For all of our false optimism, forced enthusiasm, and the tireless effort of a small team of close friends, we couldn't get past the wall of bureaucracy. The Federal Election Commission proved insurmountable in their spiderweb of legal finger-effing. The idea that I could run an effective campaign rested on the fact that I tour constantly for a living and have a built-in audience and media wherever I go. Right. You know, you go to an, a gig and there's a radio station that's going to want to have you in and interview you, and that's right. Something. It's it's to some extent it's it's kind of shtick. I mean, he's yeah. running for president and he's a comedian. Isn't that great? FEC rules, however, would not allow for me to campaign at paid gigs while also retaining a personal income from those shows. He says if I can't recruit for my shows, I'm about as effective as standing on a milk crate in the city park. Even our crafty attempts at creating our own loopholes in the laws, like jailhouse attorneys trying to invent and employ makeshift last-minute defenses, still came up short in the face of the Federal Election Commission. Mm -hmm. The system is set up to keep the two-party monopoly as free from competition as possible. It absolutely is. The penalties for effing up with the FEC rules make IRS penalties look like fetish spankings, and I eff up quite a bit. (laughs) The other problem was simply in making the whole thing fun. The more rules, paperwork, and BS we'd run into, the less creative and funny it was becoming. The process started to feel like when we had to clean it up for the man show, and we all know how well that worked out. Our intention in this campaign was to try to get media attention for the Libertarian Party, and we've got no intention of giving up that campaign. It's frustrating to see this country bordering on totalitarianism and having viable options like the Libertarians completely blacked out. You see, Doug Stanhope hasn't quite given up on the Libertarian Party yet, and and neither have I. I haven't completely given up on it. It's just that I'm frustrated and burnt out with it. Uh, But, you know, this is it. Political burnout in action. You had somebody that was really excited about running for president, And then he saw what the regulations were and realized that if he wanted to make a living, he couldn't do something like this. And he's not independently wealthy enough to to go it alone. Do we need regulations like this for somebody running? Let's talk about it. Coming up, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves toll free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line. Now the SACL CAI toll free line. <laughs> it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. Get signed up for the updates. We clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show at uh, freetalklive.com. You get signed up for the updates list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. Speaking of SACL CAI, they have a full-orbed approach on account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do businesses, business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. You know, they've got the Free Talk Live drinking games that our listeners have come up with on the, on the BBS. Mm-hmm. I think they should add uh, one of the, uh, a rule to the drinking game anytime Ian screws up the, the, uh, the phone sponsor. Mm. That'd be a good time. Yep. Take a drink. 
All right, 800-259-9231. So then, we were talking about Doug Stanhope bailing out on running for president. There were a number of people that were pretty excited about this because the Libertarian Party, for the longest time, has been sort of in an internal debate about, well, you know, who should we, ru- who should the Libertarian Party run for president? Should they run someone who is a very principled individual uh, but a no-name person? Or should we run? Should the Libertarian Party run a person with a name like a Doug Stanhope or a Kurt Russell or Clint Eastwood or something like that, even though they might not be completely principled? And so there's this sort of been this internal debate about this for years. Then Doug Stanhope shows up um, and throws his hat in the ring for the Libertarian Party presidential nomination, and I think a lot of people got pretty excited because not only is Doug Stanhope sort of a name, he's no Clint Eastwood, but you know, he's he's got some. Uh, name Something. status. He's probably got a the biggest name that any potential Libertarian Party presidential candidates ever had, mm-hmm. and he's also principled guy. So you had sort of the best of both worlds with him. But unfortunately, he's thrown his hat, taken his hat out of the ring at this point because the Federal Elections Commission rules basically say that he just can't um, do his job and campaign at the same time. Right. Um. You know, in the same way that. Uh I think Howard Stern was trying to run for president at one point, and um, they wouldn't let him say anything about it on his uh, radio show, because it's not fair. The other other candidates don't have radio shows. Otherwise, it's uh, an in-kind campaign contribution or something. There's all kinds of stupid rules. And, you know, I I was a campaign manager for for a campaign down in Florida. It was a state house campaign. And one thing I didn't want to do was be the treasurer. Keep me away from that crap. Fielding phone calls and dealing with people on that sort of end, I can handle that. But dealing with the quarterly reports that the government mm-hmm. wants you to fill out and, and whatever other bureaucratic hurdles and paperwork, no thank yep. you. And I can't even imagine that was just for a state house race. I can't even begin to conceptualize uh, the amount of rules and regulations that the FEC has, the Federal Elections Commission, uh, to hold over your campaign. What's the purpose of the rules? Uh, well, the political excuse is that, well, we don't want uh, politics to be corrupted by uh, c- by corporate money, so we need lots of rules and regulations. That's what their excuse is. They don't want... politics aren't corrupt at all. Well, that's what, that's just it. The, see, politics is corrupt, and they, they have all these rules in place, but obviously there are loopholes, there are ways for people that know the system to work the system. The politicians. The politicians who create the rules... And so it gives them an excuse to, you know, get all angry every five years or so and say, we need comprehensive election reform. And then we need the, to take the money out of politics. In the process, they keep the average man out of politics and only the professional politicians really. Uh, um, and and the, the two big political parties really have what it takes to, to get somebody elected at this point. Right. So recently there was the, the most recent example of so-called election reform was the McCain-Feingold mm-hmm. uh, election reform Debacle. bill. Which I don't really remember all the terrible things that it did, but one of the things that it did was that it made it so that you cannot oh, – gosh, I don't remember the specifics, so if I'm getting this a little wrong, please call and correct me at 800-259-9231. But there are new regulations that say that basically you cannot run a campaign ad that attacks – was it any candidate or just the incumbent? I don't remember the the details – but they say you can't run attack um, advertising within a, I think it's a 30 to 60 day period before the election mm-hmm. in any federal election. So 
just essentially crushing the freedom of speech when it comes to campaign advertising. Well, I thought the McCain-Feingold Act also made it very difficult for third parties to uh, um, you know, make it. I think there were some third-party restrictions added in there I as know well. that the libertarians hate it. Um, but it's, it's all sold to the American public on the basis of, we're taking the money out of politics sure. because money's evil, right? See, that's, that's the message that the, the big government people want to get across, is that money's evil, and so therefore we need to take it, uh, take, make it so that people can't contribute to political campaigns. This is where they want to go. They haven't gotten there completely yet. But they want to make it so that individuals can no long, individuals and companies can no longer contribute to political campaigns and that all political campaigns are centrally financed via the federal government. Mm, that's nice. So only the uh, candidates the federal government likes, for whatever reason, will be, have a chance of getting financed. Well, of course, there will be certain parameters set on it. You know, you'll have to poll at a certain percentage or, you know, your, your party will have to be officially recognized. But basically, the idea is that if you get qualified and uh, for this central, central financing, then the government and the taxpayers will fund your campaign, which is actually a really lousy idea because then everyone's paying to promote everyone else's ideas. Right. So then, instead of me being able to give a contribution to uh, Ron Paul or Doug Stanhope or somebody like that and say, yeah, Ron, I support where your campaign's coming from. In fact, I'm writing you a check. I can't do that. I wouldn't be able to do that anymore. And all the people that disagree with Ron Paul would be forced to to fund his campaign. And likewise, you and I would be forced to fund the campaigns of Hillary Clinton and uh, and Rudy Giuliani and all these other big government freaks. We'd all be forced to throw our money into the into the ring for these people to just take. Wow. You know, and it's it's a uh, it's a great example of how the government creates the problem, and then the government comes up with a solution for the problem that is more government. Right, um, so they've created corrupt, uh, corrupt elections, and well, they're it's not constantly just, promoting, promoting. Uh, uh, of course, there's corrupt elections, and of course, uh, companies want to uh, fund their um, horse in the race because now the presidency has so much power. Now, um, you know the the, the and this is every every federal office, right? If, if back before uh, Lincoln was in office, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal to be president. Um, if you, I, I think I read Newsweek's list of the uh, ten worst presidents of all time. Must have been seven of them were prior to Lincoln, and the reason that they were bad presidents, according to uh, Newsweek, or I, I may have this wrong, it might have been U.S. News and World Report. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was one of those magazines. Um, and the, the reason that they said that they were bad presidents essentially is they didn't do enough. Yeah. Um, well. I think that makes them good president. I, I would have to concur. Um, so you know, uh, the if it hadn't it was, if it wasn't for the presidency being so powerful and having so much control, then it wouldn't really matter. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So it's really amusing watching the people that are out there calling for election reform get all upset and say these this new set of rules is going to fix government elections for good. There, this will eliminate all the corruption from government elections. And I mean, come on, all they do, all these regulatory reforms, all they do is enshrine the power structures in Washington D.C. ever further to just make it so the Republicans and Democrats are the two choices and there's nothing else out there. More on the way. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want via the SACL CAI toll-free line at 800-259-9231. 
That is 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Live streams await you. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well. Two sizes should fit virtually everybody. There you go, over uh, and it's free, over at freetalklive.com. So you bring up whatever's on your mind as we go to the phones and talk to Jody in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jody. Hey, guys. It's hey, on your Julia. Mind. Hello. Um, I just uh, kind of wondered uh, what your opinions on uh, patents versus uh, privacy is. I'm not I, sure. I what do you mean? Find them the, well, I kind of find them the same sort of thing, like um, a, a person has... If a person has no right to uh, privacy, I'm wondering, privacy or uh, patents kind of seems like privacy is for people, and they're just trying to, I don't know, use the government to uh, protect their privacy. I see where you're coming from. I think that what maybe you're, maybe what you mean to say is that, okay, if you want privacy, you have to work to protect your privacy. You have to work to ensure your privacy. Having privacy exactly. takes effort. It takes money. Um, if you don't want to ins- expend that effort at money, then you won't have as much privacy as you could. Similarly, right. your ideas also, if you want them protected, are going to take effort and going to take money in order to protect in the free marketplace. So like Rob in Georgia was pointing out, if you're a book author and uh, you want to release your book in a series, you can say, okay, well, I'll release the next chapter when I get X amount of dollars. That way you're protecting your ideas before you're releasing them out into the uh, the free marketplace where ideas are, are free. And that's the way ideas should be. Once they leave your possession, once you are out of, once you no longer have control of your ideas, in my opinion, anybody should be able to pick them up and, uh, and do as they pleased with them yeah i i just see uh, them kind of as stopping a person from coming up with the idea after the fact like i don't think it really matters if somebody comes up with an idea first as long as the person honestly comes up with the idea afterwards and um, it, you know, there's no problem with that. Right. Now, that's Kinda sort like of the, the difference between copyright law in the United States and patent law in the United States. In, in copyright law, you and I could write the same book and, um, you know, independently and uniquely, and we would both have rights to it. In patent law, you and I could create the same product, and whichever one of us created it first is the one who has the right to it. Right, right. And I guess that's that's the problem I got with patents. I I, I do, too. I just... I always see them as like hold. I think they were first uh, invented or just to uh, kind of promote uh, ideas, but I think they do just the opposite. It's typical of government programs. I mean, government. You see it in in all sorts of areas where government gets in with a lofty goal of, well, in this case, we're going to help protect inventors. Well, as it turns out, the patent process has gutted inventors' uh, abilities and their and their rights. And and really turned the power over to patent lawyers more so than anything else. I don't know a lot yeah. about patents. Are you have to pay money to to submit something? Oh, yes, you right? do. A lot of money. Anything that has to do with the government. Yep. To... Okay. I don't know how much money. That's a good question. I, what is the application fee for a patent? And then what are the what are the fees that come after that? Because inevitably, also be more. I wonder how long it takes for them to process your patent application. Who knows? That's Years. An excellent question. Maybe Wikipedia knows the answer. But did you have any final thoughts for us, Jody? Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention one other kind of funny thing that happened around here. Um, we just got uh, in Nova Scotia. We just got uh, Sunday shopping approved, so it's now legal to actually actually do that. Hold on a second. But, uh, you couldn't buy anything in Nova Scotia on Sundays up until this point? Well, 
No, it seemed, well, that's kind of what the idea was, but really it was big stores, right? The little guy wanted to take the big guy down, so they wanted a big law, right? Mm. So what they ended up doing is uh, they were going by square footage of uh, your <laughs> workplace. And uh, what ended up happening, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny, they had uh, the RCMP going out to the uh, all the stores armed with uh, measuring tape. Oh, my and God. And they were going to press charges. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to see now that uh, we are now free to shop on Sundays. Let me see if I understand this correctly. You're saying that the law said that if you're over, say, 50,000 square feet, you cannot open on Sunday, but smaller stores can? Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what happened. That's politics. Oh, great. You get to pay more for your toilet paper on Sunday. Thanks for the call, Jody. We appreciate it. Because that's just a fact. You're going to pay more at a, at a mom-and-pop store for your toilet paper than you will at the big box chain store. And what if you work uh, Monday through Saturday just trying to feed your family? Tough, tough pal. And that's your day to go to, um, that would be the, the, a convenient day to go to Walmart or Target or wherever. Sunday is my shopping day, typically. Mm-hmm. I like to shop on Sundays. Can you imagine? I mean, we when we go out shopping on Sundays, where do we go? Walmart. Home Depot. Uh, we go to the, the big store. box grocery store. If I... those stores were closed, where the hell could we go? There's nothing. I mean, you can't you can't go and buy. There are so many products at a big box store that are just not available at at local mom and pop stores. Okay, yeah, there's a there's the like mom and pop hardware store where you can there's a decent selection of hardware and you can get but the basics. But there's a reason that um that you know Builders Square and uh, Home Depot and Lowe's are in existence is because right. you just couldn't get what you wanted to get at the local Ace. Mom and pop they're uh, they're great if they're convenient to you. Absolutely, I'm not down, I'm not doubting them. They have their place. That's why they're still in business, right? Because mm-hmm. the marketplace realizes they're valuable and a lot them. of great service there. And the service is great, but you can't walk in and buy a stack of uh, a plywood from them. They just don't have it in stock. And so, again, I, I think that's just an insane rule. Is there such a thing as a small, like, mom-and-pop grocery store nowadays? In um, in New York City, they've got those little uh, Korean and, stores and that sort of and thing. And if you think of a convenience store, right. a convenience store is basically a grocery store. I hate shopping at convenience stores for groceries. I understand. Well, the prices are awful. I mean, yeah. the, the reason why they're called convenience stores is you're paying for the convenience mm-hmm. of having it down the street from you. You go and you buy a half gallon of milk at a convenience store, odds are good you're going to pay more than true. what you're paying. Generally, at. that's true. Though there are exceptions. I've, there was one time where the convenience store, uh, one of the convenience stores around here had all the box stores beat on milk price. And they had a, they had a, like a, a sign out by the side of the road announcing that. So we went in there and bought some milk from them. So anyway, it's just crazy. Just a crazy socialist uh, protectionist rules that just need to go away. Look, if you can't make it in the marketplace on your own by um, innovating and selling things and, and providing good service, then the law should not be there to keep you in business. I have to agree. Whether it be a protectionist law like, okay, you can open Sundays, but you businesses can't, or it's some sort of law that says, well, if you start failing as a business person, the taxpayers will bail you out. Bailouts are the, I mean, that's, 
this isn't as bad as a bailout, but it's sort of like a partial bailout. It's like a one seventh per week bailout, basically. Mm-hmm. And it, well, if you look at the, in that in that case, in uh, where was it, Canada, Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia, Nova yeah. Scotia, um, they used the law to go after big businesses. In a lot of cases, uh, I would say more big businesses managed to use the law to protect their business. That tends to be how it works. And you know that's what regulations are. That's what licensing is. It just makes it difficult for the a person to get into business themselves. I think the real tragedy of these of this Sunday law that uh, Jody was talking about that was the are the poor people who you know what whether, whatever you however you feel about Walmart and other big box chains the fact is their buying power and their business models I was just reading an article about how Walmart um, has just completely changed the face of the flat screen television market. Because I guess during the Christmas season last year, they Walmart just slashed $500 off of the price of one of their plasma sets mm. just because they could. Yeah. And, uh, and Circuit City and the rest of the electronics dealers just started flipping out because, you know, they, they had to compete. They right. had to all of a sudden lose. These used to be um, items that had sweet, sweet margins. You're mm-hmm. buying a $1,500 television set. That store's making $700. And so Walmart said, and knocked off 500 of that $700 and then the rest of the stores they might have only been making you know $650 so they're making less because they've got to they've got to meet Walmart's uh, prices and all I saw in the article was just a bunch of bitching and moaning from these other companies oh Walmart <laughs> Yo, I don't care about your bottom line. Yep, the consumer I'm, wins. Right, I'm a consumer, and I want to get my products for as uh, as good of a price as I can get them for. And if I can't go and buy them on Sundays, then that hurts me. It means that I can't spend my money as accurately as I might otherwise decide to do. It means I won't be getting the good deals that I would normally get. And that's not good for poor people. So open seven days a week, that's a good thing. More on the way, you take control. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You bring up what you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. SACL, CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. It's a place to go. All the features are completely free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as have done over 370 of our listeners, by going to amp.freetalklive.com. And I, I'm to the point right now where I, I can process amplifiers on a once-a-week basis. So if you if you sign up for AMP and I haven't actually upgraded you yet, please be patient. I, I will get to you. I, I'm doing it on Saturdays. So uh, I will get to you. And also, we've got um, our man, behind-the-scenes man, um, developing a very cool application that will allow amplifiers to be completely automated, where you don't have to wait for me to go and actually push buttons to upgrade you and that sort of thing. So the whole process is going to get a lot smoother. You'll be able to log into your, uh, your, your AMP account and change information. So, you know, you need to upgrade your credit card number or whatever, change your address, that sort of thing. You'll be able to do all that soon. So we're working on it. And uh, amp.freetalklive.com it stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is simple. If you like Free Talk Live, you like the show, you want to help promote it, get it on more radio stations, help more people find the message of freedom and liberty, then pony up three bucks a month. It's a totally voluntary option. You get some access to AMP perks like the AMP-only phone line, chat room, and forum. And uh, all the details are there for you at amp.freetalklive.com. Let's see here. I think uh, Zach is off the line. Mike's off the line. So, oh, patent fees. I found some of them. 
Okay. Just because you were curious. The basic utility patent application filing fee, and this is from 2005, so they might have gone up, but it was $1,000 for a large entity. I guess that's the size of the company. I'm not sure. Uh, or $500 for a small entity. Then there are all sorts of other fees here. I don't know which ones apply. Like if you're the if you're just an individual inventor and you want to get your your invention patented, I'm not sure which of these you actually have to pay for. You know, there are appeal fees, so if they deny your patent, you have to you can appeal it and then you've got to pay them $250 for that. A request for an oral hearing is $500. A design patent application is $400. I'm I'm only naming the smaller entity fees. So if um you know just because you've patented something doesn't guarantee that the thing's going to sell. I'm no, sure that there's inventors out there that have patented a great deal of things and spent if 500 bucks a pop. Right. A great deal that's of per, money. That's per patent, and, mm-hmm. and many inventions uh, require multiple patents. Yeah. I'm not sure wh- why that is, but that's just I've how it is. It. Right, you see, you see a new item coming out, and it says, you know, Several patents. patent numbers behind it. There are like ten different patent numbers after mm-hmm. So doesn't sound too affordable for, you know, the average inventor who's just kind of, you know, he's working at a normal job and then on the side inventing. This is what a lot of inventors do. They they invent with their spare time. Inventing is their hobby. They know that they're not necessarily going to be able to um, make a living off of it, but it's something that they love. You know, like a lot of people play music. All inventors are the same way. And it's just a, the whole patent process is just so sad because... It's really the uh, the area of expertise for lawyers. There is, after all, patent law, and it's very unlikely that a, a an inventor, Joe Average, is going to be able to co- conceptualize what all the patent law means, let alone even begin to delve into all of the details. I know I sure as hell couldn't. I can't read legalese. If somebody puts legalese in front of me, I just want to go shoot myself because yeah. it's just that awful. It is awful. I have to read that crap. Let's go to Zach in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Zach. How's everyone doing tonight? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, just a couple quick things to talk to you guys about. Um, I think it was Tuesday night you guys were talking about hate crimes. Mm-hmm. So-called. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I, I heard you guys were a little confused on if statute has actually been passed in some states, and I think you were saying that the federal government wanted to pass the same thing. Um, at least what a lot of states have been doing is they don't have a hate crime statute specifically. Um, like, but the, you know, I can just speak from Minnesota. Our criminal code provides certain enhancements for, like, assault, armed robbery, things like that, and they protect against uh, profession and then certain biases. So we do actually have hate crimes. You just can't really find them easily in the books. Wait, are you saying, though, well, hold on a second, are you saying that in the case of somebody assaulting another person, if they reveal their hate for the other person, that charges will increase, or, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow, okay, so that is out there, but perhaps it's not at a federal level, then. No, not yet. Um, like, just real quick, assaults motivated by bias, um, age, national origin, anything like that. You can have imprisonment for not more than one year added and or a fine of $3,000. That's just for assault. So things like that, they might tack on an extra year or two. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks for the information. Any other thoughts? Uh, yeah. I just I believe you guys have talked about this before, but I wanted to pick your brain on um, I think one of the easiest solutions to immigration is just this guest worker program that everybody's been talking about. And I'm not an expert on the program, but from what I've heard, it's just Mexicans that live on the border 
they're looking for jobs. That's why they come here. If there's a job right out, right over the border, they'll go there to work and then go back to Mexico at night. Well, the problem with the guest worker program is it seems to be um, just more of the same, which essentially is uh, you have to be sponsored by a company to come here. And if you leave that company for whatever reason, then you've got to go back to Mexico. So it's more or less indentured servitude. And then once the company's done with you, you have to go back to Mexico anyway. Don't, oh, okay. the, don't the companies also have to, like, put them up in housing and everything like that, too? I mean, when you say sponsored by the company, you really mean sponsored by the company, mm-hmm. right? So they're staying in company housing. They're staying, I mean, they're, they're completely essentially owned for a certain period of time by this company. You know, if, we want, if people want to, to allow uh, immigrants to have jobs, as I think it should be, why does the government have to get involved? Why do we have to have a why does there need to be a national program, a new government program created in order to administrate this? Let's just get rid of welfare, open the borders and let anybody come over here and make a better life for themselves. Let them find their own jobs on their own on their own terms. Let the market operate. That's how it used to be. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know Mark short story uh, from Twin Falls, Idaho. You had mentioned on the air recently that in the instance of a heroic man perhaps carrying a weapon and taking out uh, like a killer. Let's say a killer mm-hmm. walks into a Wendy's and starts shooting people. And this is a an area of the country, say New York City, where guns are banned. You right. can't conceal carry. But someone's concealed carried anyways and happens to be in the restaurant at that time and, and shoots the killer. Right. Right. Hero, obviously, saved maybe 10 lives. And uh, you suggested that in those cases, the cops won't charge. You don't think the cops will charge. Seems unlikely. Well, just take this case as an example of how heartless these bureaucrats can be. Canoeist Dennis Bourne and his companions were stunned when they saw a woman jump off the Perrine Bridge in Twin Falls, her body landing near them in the Snake River. Many in the group were crying by the time they managed to reach the woman and paddle her body to shore. Mm. So Bourne was shocked when an officer walked up and instead of thanking or comforting the group last Sunday, wrote out a couple of $85 tickets for failing to have life jackets on board for either of the two canoes. God. Quote, the body was right there, said the 58-year-old Twin Falls resident. A girl deputy was trying to console everybody. Then a sergeant walked up. He said, I see you don't have any life jackets, so I'm going to give you a citation. Unquote. Sick, sick dude. It seemed a little cold, he said. Twin Falls uh, County Sheriff Wayne Toosley said he stands by the deputy's decision. Although he added, quote, could it have been done at another time? He had a discretion, unquote. Bourne said he and his friends are still traumatized from witnessing the death. He plans to contest the citations in court. Quote, maybe you get kind of cold in that job. I think there is a time and a place. They should use common sense. Maybe his superiors could tell him next time, wait until they get to the dock and the girls aren't crying, unquote. So just Mm. an example of how callous these people can be these guys just fished a body out of the water they watched a woman kill herself by jumping off of a bridge did their best to save her they did what they could to rescue her presuming she was still alive they didn't right. know they went over to the body and they did the police's job of getting the damn body out of the the river for them right somewhat i, I you know this this goes in the the broad category of hero perhaps not lucky heroes in getting a live person out right. of the river but hero nonetheless uh, and and they gave them tickets. I've been to the Snake River, and it is cold. Jumping in the Snake River is not a pleasant experience, Any time I'm of the sure. Year. Correct. So here you go. Uh, just one example of how they don't care 
They didn't thank these guys. Maybe the, the female deputy did. I don't know. They don't report that. But these guys didn't get thanked. They were thanked by hand, being, being handed an $85 citation because of some life jacket, uh, life jacket law. It's pretty sick. So you think that bureaucrats that think this way aren't going to charge people with gun possession when they actually, you know, shoot somebody? And that ticket's probably not $85. It's a <laughs> lot more than that. Probably not. Uh, Jail time. You know, I've got the bureaucrats' response to this. It's amazing that what their rationale is behind ticketing these guys. I don't know. Hey, the law is the law, you know? That's pretty much it. We're trying to keep people safe. That's essentially the short version. We give out fines to help remind people to be safe. Even when they're heroes. Yep. 800-259-9231. Hour number three is coming up. Since we're talking cops, I think you both have uh, emails about the cops. This is coming up. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching in hour number three. You bring up what you want. Toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all the features are totally free. We give them away, so enjoy them on us at freetalklive.com. We uh, sort of got into the police at the very end of the last hour, and I wanted to continue that. I know you each have in uh, a police-related email so, Mark, why don't we start with yours? Yep, I've uh, got one here um, from uh, Patrick. It says, he, uh, we were talking yesterday about the uh, LAPD, and he says, I don't know why I feel the need to write and share, but I do. I grew up in L.A., left in 1990 for Seattle. At the time, I was only 21. Now, I got my fair share of trouble as a teenager, so I'm sure, to some extent, I deserve some of what I got. But I recall several encounters with the LAPD and my treatment by them as downright despicable. I was once pulled over immediately after leaving my high school parking lot for failing to use a directional. I did, but that's the reason I was stopped. I had two passengers who could hear my old Datsun B210 turn signal clicking away loudly as they did. Tick, tick, tick. You remember how those sure. the old ones were. I used to have a, a, a 70s Toyota pickup, so I know exactly that sound. Yep. When I was stopped, the officer asked for my pepas and suddenly asked, um, and, and I simply asked, uh, while I was getting them, why I was pulled over. He said, failure to signal. Now, I won't go into why he has no way from his uh, vantage point to be able to actually see that, but my immediate reaction without thinking um, to him was, yes, I did, without any right. compunction whatsoever. He demanded I get out of the car, and as I was doing so, he grabbed me and pulled me around the, the door and threw me down the hood, holding my hand oh behind my. my back and pushing my head down on the hood, screaming at me um, something along the lines of, do you want to get your butt kicked by this black MF cop right here in front of your friends for doing for acting stupid and he rambled on obviously a 17 year old I quickly became respectful and obedient as possible for fear that he'd do just that he scared the crap out of me and I can honestly say that I never meant what I said to be rude or disrespectful if anything I was simply reacting to something I knew to be false it was an accusation mm -hmm. I escaped that day with just a ticket but this isn't the only bad encounter I've had with them. Of course, I've had great encounters also, but what I, want, um, what I think most police don't understand is that when so many encounters are bad, it's difficult to view them on the whole as nothing more than jackbooted thugs. Absolutely. 
just prior to leaving L.A. for Seattle, I drove through the tunnel in Sepulveda, one of L.A.'s longest-running streets. The tunnel, um, in a way, divi- in a way, dividing the uh, city of L.A. from the valley. I noticed um, that somebody had plastered huge posters of Escape L.A., literally hundreds, maybe thousands, all over the tunnel walls. Entrance awesome movie. Snake Plissken rocks. <laughs> I remember thinking, how apropos. I've never looked back except for some family, especially due to the environment down there. Um, I, I especially don't miss the LAPD at all. And still, to this very day, every time a cop puts his lights on behind me, my heart sinks, uh, starts mm. to race. Yep. And I have to go through the mental motions of calming myself down before he gets up to talk to me for fear of him thinking that there's something I'm hiding, which um, would just give him another reason for, um, to look for trouble. It's too bad to see things down there um, that never seem, things down there never seem to change, even when they change police chiefs. Fighting for the libertarian fight. Um, oh, talk- they're changing all right. They're getting worse. Things are getting more violent, and uh, the cops are getting more... Uh, the, the, these cops in the, the protests earlier this week mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, no badges. Who the hell are these guys? Yeah, right. You know, they could be anybody. They could, they could really be. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Fighting the libertarian fight, um, talking to friends and family, is um, so difficult when they are inculcated with the dogma of the state. They know you, which is right off the bat a strike against you, as you aren't seen as one with any real authority on the subject at hand, no matter how logical your arguments may Mm. be. I had so many political questions in my youth that nobody could answer to my satisfaction. I felt lost as a kid growing up because I couldn't really identify anything that I saw or heard. Um, Then I met Mr. Jorgensen, my first year J.C. government uh, professor. I'm not sure what a J.C. is. Junior college. Gotcha. Um, Who gave his uh, class the world's smallest political quiz. The first week um, in, and I knew immediately I had found a home. The irony being um, now I had to sit through a semester with an openly out, self-identified socialist. So much so. I'll give that guy credit. You know, even if he's an openly out socialist, at least he gave out that world's smallest political quiz. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. So he's so much a a socialist um, that, in fact, the school mandated that he preface all his test questions with, according to Mr. Jorgensen, the answer is, (laughs) which is kind of comical. I find it interesting that a, a socialist would give out the world's smallest political quiz. I do, too. Good I do, for too. Him. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's pretty accurate. It, it is accurate, but um, when that LEF on that law enforcement forums thing went down, someone from the BBS went over to the law enforcement forums and posted that, and right. their response was, well, this is a libertarian. Right. The response is, it's designed yeah. so you'll turn out to be a libertarian. A lot of people believe that, and um, over time, I've come to believe otherwise. I give the test to liberals, they come out liberal. Yep. Sometime a little more, um, sometimes you don't know whether you're liberal or conservative and you might be libertarian simply because that, ter- that term just doesn't exist in most people's vocabulary. Right. Yeah, there are some instances, as someone who's given the test out to probably a few thousand people, uh, there are some instances, obviously, where people are going to get surprised, mm-hmm. where they think they're something, but according to their, at least the way they answered the quiz, they're, they are something else entirely. They thought they were uh, liberal, liberal, but they're actually more conservative it's than they It's just that believed. they care more about the social issues, yeah. so therefore they identify as a liberal more. Right. So it's really, uh, it's a great quiz. By the way, you can link to it from our website, uh, from our links page, or just go to theadvocates.org. They've got, they're the creators of the, of the quiz, and it's great. Well, I'm an anarchist at heart. I'm totally willing to live in a, uh, with a minarchy as opposed to what we have now. 
Having said that... Who can, wouldn't want a nicer gang? <laughs> I, can, I can honestly say that between the time I found myself in that government class back in 1986 and just last year, I've not seen or heard of anyone, anything, or any party or group doing so much or able to reach so many as Free Talk Live. This is the uh, wow. The, 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 this is the, uh, the little back padding. Yeah, that, that's all this is in here. It's great, <laughs> um, and he does well at it. <laughs> During the entire time, I felt hopeless, believing things could never change, fearful of repeating. That's what the- we were talking about last night. Defeated Americans, even people like him mm-hmm. who had found liberty, mm-hmm. defeated. Um, fearful of repeating the history of socialism. Finding FTL, the dialogue between you two, the guests, the stories, is ever inspiring and energizing and reinforces the beliefs that I've held for so long. Helps me give um, ammo for when I venture out into my daily life. I can speak about topics with authority. And for anyone questioning, I can give them a free talk live card, which I made. And direct, direct, direct them to your site. I found a home once again. I'm a podcast listener who has to listen to every who has to listen to every episode and quite frankly feels lost if I go too long without. Therefore, I cannot fathom a better way of helping to bring this message to the nation as amping free talk live. Currently, I have a FTL bumper sticker on my car, which is huge. I never put anything on my car. I wow. wear my FTL beanie or cap depending on the weather, and I engage folks when they ask me about the FTL logo. I occasionally put one of the FTL buttons on my blog with a link back to FTL. Outside of calling the local radio stations, which I will do, I can't think of anything else I can do um, that would better serve this endeavor at this time as to up my amp dollars. Free Talk Live may very well be the most important thing going for liberty, and I want to help. Please take my amp pledge from $10 a month to 50 at your earliest convenience. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know you haven't read this yet. And, Pretty awesome. And know that you have many listeners, I'm sure, who have never called the show or participated on the BBS. They Absolutely. Are, that are ever so grateful to have you out there espousing the message of liberty and talking to um, and, and taking to task the socialists that plague this planet. <laughs> yeah. Please accept my deepest gratitude for all you're doing and doing a phenomenal job and have um, definitely re-energized me. My next major goal is now being the Free State Project. That's Thanks awesome. Again, Patrick. What a great email. Yeah, it's nice. I recommend he gets a stamp and stamps his money if he's really into Free Talk Live. That's it's a, a good lot idea. of fun. Yeah. I, mean, I get and bills back, and we actually got, I got another stamp from a stamp that was not mine. Just out of nowhere, just yeah. you, happen to, you happen to receive it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, did that have a Free Talk Live? It had Free Talk or... Live, Free State Project, and Downsize DC. Yeah, somebody had like a triple stamp yep. yeah. going on. So I think that's a great idea, and you know what? There are some really cool ideas on the Free Talk Live BBS. There's a sub-forum there called Promoting Liberty. It's where the the most active of the, I think, Free Talk Live listeners, as far as their, their activism is concerned, will gather together and, and share ideas and critique one another, and I think that's a neat place to go and find ideas, like the stamp idea and others as well. And you know what? Gosh, emails like that just warm my heart, Mark. Mm-hmm. It's nice makes to you make feel a good difference. for doing this. Yep. 800-259-9231. Maybe I'll actually make some money at it someday. This is your show. You can take control. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system awaits over 225,000 posts, almost a quarter million. Over 1,400 people interacting. It's all for free. Lots of different stuff to talk about. Serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all 
bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Continuing the discussion about the police, uh, Julia has an email about the cops. Julia, this event happened to me last weekend. I was traveling on I-540 in Arkansas on my way home from a weekend with family. I got the flashing lights and pulled over on an off-ramp. I put the car in park and and cracked... Cracked the window open about an inch and put my hands in my lap. I know I should have put them on the wheel, but I was already pretty nervous. I don't do drugs, hang out with people who do, or even drink, so there was nothing illegal in my car. The first thing the cop said was, roll down your window. I told him I could hear him just fine. Somehow, the (laughs) Somehow, the busted video words were not occurring to me here. I need to watch it a few hundred more times, I guess. Mm -hmm. From this point on, the officer is shouting at me, roll down your window. I should have actually done it at this point. I was trying to indicate that I wasn't consenting to a search. He opened the door. That's brazen. Are they allowed to do that? Just he has a your... gun. <laughs> <laughs> he opened the door and told me to get out of the car. He had me put my hands on. He had me put my hands on the push bumper of the cruiser, and walk my feet back towards him. He felt under my shirt, down my legs, put his hands in my pockets, and felt the inside of my shoes with his fingers. Keep in mind, I've never been patted down in my life or even been asked to get out of the car by a cop except one time when I was going... Wait, wait, wait. He put his hands in the in the person's pockets? Yes. That's not a Terry Pat. Um, that's that's illegal, an illegal search, if I've ever heard one. Yeah. I, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but as, as, as I understand police uh, roadside pullovers, they have the ability to do what they call a Terry Pat, and it's based on a case, Terry versus the Supreme Court or whatever from Wenover. Uh, that basically says that if an officer has some reason to believe that he or she could be threatened by a weapon, then they have the ability to pat your person down and also search the immediate vicinity, your grabbable vicinity of your vehicle in order to assure themselves that you are indeed not packing heat or, you know, ready to slice them up with a knife. And so they have the ability to touch you on the outside of your clothing and if they feel something that they believe to be a weapon, that can be removed. However, actually inserting their hands into your pockets, inserting their fingers into your shoes, I don't think that's uh, that's fully legal. That's fine and dandy, but when you're being pulled over, you're terrified, your heart's racing. The yeah, cops, what do you do? Yeah, I, yeah. You certainly can't say, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Right, what Especially with a do? cop that's going to throw your door open and, and you know push you up against a bumper of his car. Right, and... What can you do about it in court? I mean, you could probably get the ticket removed or maybe the fine lessened, and I guess then you're supposed to feel lucky that you didn't have to pay the full fine or mm-hmm. didn't have to pay the fine, but you still got harassed. Yeah, right. And think about all the time you invest exactly. um, in trying to get this uh, guy busted, who's probably going to lie about what happened, um, get him busted for uh, doing this uh, illegal pat-down. You know, if you tried to fight him off physically and like, I'm not coming out of my car, you're going to get your teeth busted in. You're going to jail. Um, You know, and then they're going to find charges and then you're really going to be in, you're going to be out some money Mm -hmm. trying to fight this. I've got an adrenaline rush right now just thinking about cops and getting pulled over. My heart races when I get pulled over. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah, it's scary. You're dealing with an armed man that uh, knows he has, that believes he has power and is willing to use it at a moment's notice and... They're like uh, they're like dangerous, vicious animals. You you don't know how to deal with them. You got to be very careful. A potentially dangerous, vicious animal. Yeah. At some point in time, this cop threatened to arrest me. 
While he was searching me, he told me, shouting, of course, that his request had nothing to do with whether or not I could hear him, that he needed to see if there were any intoxicants. Oh, and he, he was shouting in case you couldn't hear him. Yeah. yeah. Standing three feet away from you. He didn't say whether he wanted to check my breath for alcohol or check my floorboards for crack, so I wasn't sure. He let me go back to the car and ask for my license and proof of insurance, which I provided to him. While I was retrie- retrieving them, he immediately started asking questions. Where are you coming from? He shouted. I'd rather not say, I said. You know you're obstructing an investigation. If you don't answer, we may have to take this a step further. Where are you oh, going? No, no, no. Are you conducting a criminal investigation, sir? Yes. That's the question. Yes? Then I'd like to talk to my attorney if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the outcome would be if you were to answer like that, though. But that's, uh, that's the question. You wouldn't question. be able to do anything. I mean, you really, he really can't. Now, you can you're, get likely violent. To, you're likely to get the, uh, the ticket, whatever right. it is that he's liable to give you, and that's the problem. Can you read that line from the cop again, the threat that basically came, that, that, the, the quote oh, from the cop? If you don't answer, you, we may have to take this a step further. Right, that's a typical cop line of, it's just a scare, it's just a scare line. There's no real, he's got nothing, right? He doesn't right. have anything on his side except his ability to lie to you and scare you. So, we may have to take this a step further. Well, what's that mean? What are you going to do? Because I don't have to answer your probing questions about my activities and where I've been going and where I'm coming from. Well, he's going to tell you what he can do. He said that he had to know these things because he could terminate my right to travel. I told him that I thought I had the right not to say anything. Incriminating. Are you going to say something incriminating, he said. I repeated my assertion of my Fifth Amendment right. I haven't Miranda-sized you yet, he said. Oh, you don't have a Fifth Amendment until I give it to you. Yeah. 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 He indicated that my answers couldn't be used against me if I hadn't been read my rights. You know what my concern is? You know what my concern is? Yeah, that's absolutely a lie. Is, you know, I, I read in the news all the time of, somebody, of people faking um, to be police officers and doing all kinds of criminal activity. Mm-hmm. How do I know that this police officer that we're talking is, in fact, a police officer? He's got a badge. But, but so, so do the ba- fake ones. He's got a car. So, so do the fake ones. He's uh, got a, a uniform. So so do the fake ones. Mm. He's just a really good fake, perhaps. Maybe. So why in the world am I listening to you? could be a criminal. Could be. As far as I'm concerned, he is a criminal. And this is typical of the police, this sort of these uh, scare tactics and lying. You know, you talk to the cops. You talk, you, we get the good guy cops calling the show to, and to, we come really to, do. to come to the defense of their profession, right? But the fact is... Every single day, people get pulled over, even in this guy's case. He didn't have drugs, he didn't have a gun in his car, anything like that. But yet the cop treated him like a criminal. The cop lied to him to to try to extract information from him. And to say that it's okay to lie to people? This happens all the time, and the police are trained to lie to you. They're trained to deceive in order to get you to slip up and admit to something so they can charge you with a crime and arrest you. Is that, is that the way police work should be done? Should police be trained to lie to people? Because that's what they do. And maybe in some departments they aren't trained to do it, but the fact is they sure as hell do. Here's, this is just one example. I stood my ground and he eventually went back to his car and returned with a ticket. Finally, in a normal speaking voice, he said I could roll down my window or open the door. It was my choice. Since he was going to have me sign the ticket, and he'd already conducted a search anyway, I opened my door, I signed the ticket, which is a promise to appear in court. I would have refused, but for all I know, this guy might have actually arrested me. He told me to watch my speed and be sure to fasten my seatbelt. 
To be honest, this was a huge deal for me. It doesn't sound like much. Nothing like what our what Sounds heroes awful. like Lauren Canario and Russell Canning have gone through. But to me, this was a stretch further than I've ever been willing to go before. More on the way. 800-259-9231. We'll analyze this case a little bit more. Plus, a photographic journalist attacked by the police in Miami. We'll give you that story. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You take control, bring up what you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The archives are there. An entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website. You download them. They're free. Freetalklive.com. We've been talking about the police. Julia just read an email. I think there's actually a few more um sentences at least uh to this email but essentially it's one of our listeners who was pulled over by the police he cracked his window in order to to talk to the cop and the reason the reason people tell you to crack your window when you're talking to the cops is that well it's it's a crack so you can still slip your driver's license and your registration through it and they can take that back to their car and you know the idea is you don't really know who the cops are you don't know as mark pointed out that if it's a uh, an imposter cop or not. Right. And so better to be safe rather than sorry. And in this particular case, the cop yanked open the person's door, pulled the, essentially pulled them out of their vehicle and put them up against the uh, the hood of the police car and then proceeded to just read them the riot act on, you know, their behavior, etc. and how he's a big tough cop and he's scary and st- he threatened them and lied to the person and it's just typical uh, t- cop tactics and people wonder why no one likes the cops. Well, and, I can't okay, say that. Not no one, but nobody I know likes the cops. Okay, uh, most people, I think most young people that have ever had a friend who's been harassed by the police are of the same opinion. They don't appreciate the cops. They don't like the job the cops are doing out there. They understand that they're good for some things. But uh, in many cases, they're just harassing people. I don't think that anybody feels good when they see the lights behind them. I don't think so either. Anybody. Uh, but yes, I, I want you know police always wonder to themselves why do why oh why do Americans not like us? Well, you're jerks, and you're mean. Well, maybe you it's, personally it's a generalization. aren't. Maybe you personally aren't if you're a law enforcement officer listening. But your coworkers sure as hell are, and you're liars. You lie to people, you threaten them, and you scare them. And you're enforcing bad laws on top of all that. Before we jump back into this email, there's a very extensive article. It's like a 13-minute piece and uh, a 13 video minute? segment. 13-minute okay. video segment, and there's an article that goes with it at CBS News about snitching, about the stop snitching movement that's apparently gaining popularity, especially in <laughs> not in not necessarily in prison. No, but I wouldn't imagine it's doing very well. In prison. Amongst uh, amongst the rap list, rap music listening sort mm-hmm. of audience, that sort of thing, and they're they're pointing out they point out throughout the article that in many neighborhoods it has become standard policy to not snitch at all, regardless of what the crime is. If you witness a murder, you don't snitch. Otherwise, you know, you'll be known as a snitch, and that'll ruin your reputation and possibly bring consequences, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they actually bring kids into this uh, the story, kids from 14 to 19, and they, they ask them questions about this. And 
according to the story here, one of the young men, the 14-year-old boy, uh, tells asked if he trusts the police. Alex tells Anderson Cooper, no. Why not? Quote, because there's been numerous times I've been walking, just being a regular American citizen and getting stopped for no reason. Unquote. And I saw the video footage on this, and I'll post this on the uh, the BBS later so you can see it for yourself. But this is this looks like a very nice young and and he's a black young black boy mm-hmm. and uh, just a nice kid. He's very uh, got a great demeanor about him. But the police have harassed him just because they're cops, and in many cases redneck racist cops that just hate black people and hate Hispanics. Well, and just th- picking on people because they can. And you know uh, they often go after young people and young men, especially just because you know they're like that. That particular demographic is likely to commit crimes. Especially young black people. Well, they wait, seem to be very targeted. Right. Well, it's because a lot of cops are uh, white rednecks, and they don't like black people, and so they use their authority to uh, to pick on them. And so here's a young man who, if he hadn't been picked on the police, might uh, by the police, might have a more favorable impression of them. If his friends hadn't been arrested by the police for p- possessing marijuana or some other piddly consens- consensual so-called crime, maybe people would have more respect for the cops. If the cops want people to respect them, they need to start treating people like human beings. I hate the cops, and I hate to say that. I don't like hating the cops, but it's because they frighten me. Every time I get pulled over, they harass me. I've had far more negative experience. And you're a white girl. Yeah. And I'm I don't know, I'm I'm a I look like a librarian, so I don't look like a like a hooligan or anything like that. Well, we've said it before and um I think that it would we'd go a long, long way to returning respect to law enforcement by doing away with the war on drugs. That's one of the things they cite in this article. Um it's it's they say here that um that's the one of the main reasons Kennedy says it's partly because the police tactics used to fight the war on drugs. Right. You this know, is what's pissing people off. These guys got into law enforcement in order to do good. That was why they started doing it. Or you know, let let's hope that's the reason. Theoretically. Um many of them that's what they'll tell you. Uh, let's let's say that's the reason. Some of them probably want to uh have power over people and abuse it, but that's absolutely my the case. experience with law enforcement officers is that the vast majority of them I'd say 75% was a number I came up with at one point. 75% of them just want to do their jobs, do well. Some of them are, um, you know, really want to do well, and some of them are just sort of doing jobs, and they're somewhere in that category. And very few of them are, you know, power-hungry meanies. But there's enough of them that it scares you in general. Um, You know, so if we could get rid of this war on drugs, there wouldn't be the reason for... All these, uh, you know, invasions and doing, uh, you know, uh, violating the Bill of Rights and all that kind of thing, it, it fixed the problem. So the reason that st- uh, the stop snitching movement has become so popular isn't because people want to protect murderers. It's because people hate the police. They hate the police more than they're scared of the murderers. Yep. They hate the idea of being seen as cooperating with these violent thugs known as the police. And also, that's where it comes if from. you snitch someone out, the police come to investigate a crime, you're probably the first suspect on their list. That is how it t- some, sometimes that. tends to work. So, uh, Julia, let's continue the, the email here, uh, the final thoughts of this email. All right. As Ian often says, this stuff is pretty scary. I could have been arrested, I suppose. I shouldn't be afraid, getting pulled over for a speeding ticket. But this proves to me that cops are not out there to protect our rights. They are out to lie to us, intimidate us, humiliate us, and violate our rights any way they can get away with. 
It also showed me that I can insist on my rights. Maybe I'll get harassed for it, but I can do it. The cops will try to prote- project their power and take advantage of ignorant people who or and and take advantage of the ignorance people normally display. We have power too, and if we don't exercise our rights, someday they will not exist. From Michael. Absolutely agree. In fact, I was watching some more footage from the Los Angeles protests. Uh, the protests that uh, were broken up by the police a couple of days ago in L.A., the about 50, if not more, police just, just, I mean, the, the amount of violence that was used against these innocent people, mothers and fathers and children with strollers, I mean, just regular folk being batoned and pushed and shoved and having their possessions just thrown around uh, and and just generally disrespected by these people... It was so disgusting to watch, and more footage continues to come out. We've got a thread on our BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com with, with sort of a, a, all of the different footage that some of our listeners have found. And one of them is by this guy who does a, a, a I guess, like a video game video podcast of some sort. And and he was there. I think it's called the, the Game Jew, I think is what he calls himself. Oh, my. And uh, I, think, I think he can do that because he's Jewish. He can do it. Um, but he had a, like a 10 or 11 minute long Footage, a piece of footage that he had he had had shot because he was there. That was it's just amazing to watch these people be harassed and assaulted by the police. They showed one of the uh, the rubber bullets that they were shooting at people. These things are scary. They're very large and they're very very hard. And multiple people ended up with very nasty welts. Didn't after ten people this. go to the hospital. I think ten cops went to the hospital. I'm not sure how many regular uh, folk went to the hospital. But one of the things I found interesting was some of the interviews, because he was sort of interviewing people as he was going about shooting the footage. And one of the interviews was people, as they were running away from the cops, were basically saying, you know, one day we're going to be ready for the cops. I don't think, I wish, I, I don't want this to come to a violent revolution. I don't think that's the way for things to go. But the fact is, if the cops keep pushing people, if the cops keep continuing to initiate violence on people, inevitably someone's going to turn it back around on them. I hope it doesn't happen, but people are talking about doing it now. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, only moments remain, just enough time for your call, 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at our store. Head over to store.freetalklive.com to begin your Free Talk Live shopping experience. Uh, store.freetalklive.com. we got brand new items. The hottest selling item ever is still in a pre-order phase. Get your hands on it while you still can. We're only going to sell 100 of these things. The Free Talk Live multi-gadget, 2 gigabytes, MP3, uh, MP3 player, flash drive, FM tuner, and voice recorder, all in one. And those are just a few of the features this, thing's ha- uh, this thing has for less than 60 bucks. You got that, all of our older items, also the late uh, Free Talk Live ladies' t-shirts in two colors, two different types of uh, Free Talk Live hoodies, pullover and zippered style. Also the Free Marketeer t-shirt, the new Free Talk Live beanie cap, and the Free, uh, the Free Talk Live bottle opener, or rather, uh, yeah, bottle opener lighter. Combo. Right. So all there, all in the pre-order phase, store.freetalklive.com. Let's talk to Brian in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brian. Hey. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Hey. Um, hey, just wanted to put a plug-in for the Free State Project. Um, 23, I'm going to be moving up there in, sometime after February, before the end of the year. Congratulations. And um, 
any of those people Sometime out there. Sometime after you February. Need Wait. Yeah, it's... I got to wait for my uh, my lease to run out at the time. Oh, so you mean next year, 2008? Gotcha. Next year, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So what's on your but, mind? Um, no, any, anybody? No, that's, that's about it. Just uh, I want to throw it out there. Anybody that needs a reason to move up there, other than that, just uh, keep in mind that New Hampshire has beer stations, but they sell gas there also. Beer stations? Oh, beer stations. Have you never been to a, an actual gas station? Notice they have they sell beer and wine in their gas stations. Do they not do that in Massachusetts? No, they don't. Oh, uh, well, they do that in other places. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so there you go. That's a, a wonderful thing. One reason Great to reason. move if you live in Massachusetts. Yet another one of the multitude of uh, of reasons. I mean, there's more than just that in Massachusetts as far as to move up here. But one of the negative things here in New Hampshire is that the liquor is sold in state liquor stores. Do they the, do that in Massachusetts? No, they don't. They, Massachusetts. No, no, they don't. It's uh, it's it's awful down here. The uh, the packies close, I think, at eight o'clock. Either eight or nine, and they're uh, they're only open until I think six on Sundays. At least though, you uh, can. So. Ha- at least in Massachusetts, individuals can actually own their own package liquor store. Here in in uh, in New Hampshire, that's not possible. And I believe that, that, is, was that not- is true. They do they do saw the state mandated liquor tax down here though, which New Hampshire doesn't have that I love. I believe there was an article on nhfree.com that said what. Do they make $86 million a year or something? Was it million or billion? I, I believe it was million. Million? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I the... believe it was million. I, I, I caught that article. It was, uh, it was pretty in-depth. Uh, it was interesting. Well, Brian, we'll see you up here. Are you going to make it up for Pork Fest in uh, June? I will be there. I'm coming up Wednesday night. I'm actually going to be running the sports events there. So, uh, yeah, come on out. If anybody has any ideas, go on the, uh, the NH3 site and start throwing out some ideas for outdoor uh, events to go on during the week. Very cool, Brian. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Speaking of NHFree.com, as we mentioned earlier this week, uh, the proprietor of NHFree.com, one of the two proprietors, Russell Canning, is now free. He is no longer in jail here in Keene, New Hampshire, and I'm going to have him on the show tomorrow night. Oh, wait, no. I'm thinking it's Friday. It feels it's like be, Friday. It does feel like Friday because Julia's here. Russell Canning will be on Free Talk Live Saturday night, 7 o'clock, starting the show with Russell Canning and an in-studio interview. We'll get him to tell his story from his perspective of why he was arrested, what things were like for him in jail, what his uh, his strategy is, what he's got planned for the future. He's an amazing activist, and we'll have him here. So if you've got a question for Russell Canning... i got a couple. Start figuring them out now and get ready to call in on Saturday night because he's going to be here with us. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I said I got another cop story since we're it's sort of a cop theme this hour. This one from the Raw Story, Miami freelance reporter and photojournalist Carlos Miller, who's in the past written for Raw Story, was arrested on the evening of February twentieth, two thousand seven, while photographing police at the scene of a car accident. On foot and allegedly carrying $10,000 worth of equipment, Miller was on assignment for an online news site called Category 305. He says that he was, quote, working on an article about the ongoing transition of Biscayne Boulevard from seedy motel strip to trendy urban center. Miller says that he was first assaulted by the officers, who he believes then arrested him on trumped-up charges in order to cover up the assault. The arrest took place uh, on Biscayne Boulevard. Miller happened onto the scene of what appeared to be a car accident, where a group of five police officers was questioning a suspect on the torn-up side of Biscayne, which is closed to traffic. He says he was roughly 20 feet away when he began shooting photos of the fracas and was soon approached by a female officer, whom he would later identify as Officer Reed. Now, we've seen this before. I've seen it in video footage, where if a cop watcher, someone who stumbles upon a scene where the police have pulled someone over, if a cop watcher approaches with a video camera, all of a sudden, 
the police's interest changes from interviewing the suspect to harassing the video, uh, the, the videographer, mm-hmm. or in this case, the photographer. According to Miller, Officer Reed asked if she could help him. Miller says he then identified himself by name and stated that he was a reporter on assignment. Reed says Miller told him the situation was a private matter and that he needed to keep moving. It's a public road, Miller says he told the officer. He says that he and Officer Reed repeatedly went back and forth with her demanding that he leave and him stating that he was on public property and not breaking any laws. He says he kept explaining to the officer that he was just doing his job. That's a great line, by the way. Mm-hmm. They, you know, That's the one they use all the time. Right. Why, why shouldn't it work for us? Miami police didn't respond for requeeted, uh, repeated requests for comment. According to Miller, things became violent when the officers on the scene appeared to have lost interest in the person they were questioning and turned their attentions on him. The commanding police officer, whom Miller would later identify as Sergeant Raming, allegedly grabbed Miller by the elbow and escorted him to the other side of the street while he continued to snap photos. The police report tells a very different story about the arrest. The report claims Miller was causing a commotion in the middle of the street when police approached him and that he didn't and that he didn't refuse, excuse me, that he didn't identify himself or state that he was a journalist. Miller is described as blocking traffic and refusing to move to the sidewalk. Causing the already... As though it would really matter if he wasn't a journalist. You know, there's a citizen that's taking pictures. Right. So what? They don't like that sort of thing. It's a private matter, Mark. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm paying your damn paycheck. It's not a private matter, cop. He allegedly caused the already heavy traffic to come to a near standstill. So this is also typical. You'll see the police just sort of make up their own version of the events. Um, what I love about the traffic comment coming to a standstill is here in New Hampshire, and they do this all over the place, cops pull people over and block up one yeah. lane of the road. Well, the motorist slowed to stop to see what the commotion was about. The report, report further alleges that he refused police orders and became violent, saying, This is a public road and I can do what the hell I want. When Miller was uh, then told to place his hands behind his back, he resisted, according to the police report, by pulling his arms away, but then was arrested without further incident. Now, Miller told Rawls' story that he wasn't in the middle of the street and denied being violent. He said, quote, how do you get violent while you're taking pictures? The last thing that I would do is get violent against five agitated police officers. The officers lied several times in their report in order to justify the arrest. Other officers followed and appeared angry that he was still photographing them, he says. He claims that one attempted to trip-kick him so that he would fall, but Miller maintained his balance, concerned that a fall would damage his expensive equipment. At that point, says Miller, an officer said, he's resisting arrest. Miller recounts that he over and over said, I'm not resisting arrest, but to no avail. According to Miller, the officers then pounced on me, slamming me to the ground and twisting my arms behind me. One officer grabbed the back of my head and repeatedly punched my forehead into the sidewalk. Good Lord. Another officer continually pulled my right hand backward in a 90-degree angle, causing me to scream out in pain. Miller says that he pleaded with them to ease up, but that one officer at the scene, whom Miller hasn't identified, said, If you don't shut up, I'm going to tase you. After that, he didn't say another word. Separate police officers then allegedly dragged Miller to a police vehicle and manhandled him, confiscating his camera, batteries, memory cards, and other notebooks. Miller was arrested and charged with five counts of failure to obey a police order, with an additional count each for obstructing justice, disorderly conduct, and resisting arrest. Disorderly conduct. They love that one. Yeah, well, how about failure to uh, obey a police order? What if they told you to jump off a cliff? What kind of stupid law is that? Yeah. You got f- five counts of that. 
In a, ri- a written statement issued to Raw Story, he notes that he's been a professional journalist for more than 10 years, having spent many years covering police activities around the country, and until now has never been assaulted or arrested by police officers on any of my assignments. Uh, he goes on, he's of Colombian descent, points out internal discrepancies with the police report where it appears to conflict not only with Miller's allegations, but also with the officer's own accounts of the arrest. They couldn't get it straight. For example, one part of the police report states he was in the middle of the street when the police first noticed him, yet later states the police escorted him to the middle of the street. Right. Uh, And then Miller's photographs even show that he was on or near the sidewalk with the police approaching him. I'm surprised he got the camera back. From the street. In fact, I don't know if the article mentions that. I believe he did actually. Uh, he did actually. He must the if they had the pictures, right? But nonetheless, this is just another example of the police absolutely out of control, believing they are separate from everyone else. They're better than you. You got a camera. They hate you. And in this case, they attacked this man. Just like they attacked the camera people in Los Angeles, it's happening all around the country. L.A., Miami, New York City. It's just getting worse. It's Vinny in here with you. And Julia. And Mark. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime. Freetalklive.com. DVD. Books. Music. Instruments. Periodicals. Computers. Software. Electronics. Photo. Cell phone. Office product. Home and garden. Bed and bath. Furniture. Kitchen. Pet supply. Automotive. Hardware. Apparel. Shoes. Jewelry. Grocery. Healthcare. Sports and outdoors. Toys. Games. Used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.